This is 128 Bits, a podcast about the most influential period of video games, what is known as the sixth generation, the Dreamcast, PS2, GameCube, and Xbox era. And on every episode, we will discuss one standout title from the generation and talk about its greatness, including its critical reception at the time, our favorite and least favorite things, its legacy, and what it would look like today. I'm your host, Rodrigo Nunez, and today I'm joined by Andy and Joseph, and we're going to talk about what could be considered the most controversial Zelda game of all time. I'm talking, of course, about The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. Uh, so first of all, how are you guys? And Andy, how how do you feel making your Irrelevant Podcast Network debut? <laughs> hey, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, I feel good. I'm expecting to blow up. I'll start my own uh, OnlyFans after this. So, yeah. Many people have used this as a as a trampoline for their own online fame. So you want to be the first. Mostly right. on OnlyFans too, actually. Uh, how are you, Joe? Doing good. Uh, this project has made me realize one thing. Uh, I don't think I like watching people play video games. Since my brother sold my GameCube to buy his Wii, not that I'm still bitter or anything, uh, I've been having to watch playthroughs, and yeah, like you're just doing it wrong. This is the one that was the starkest one for me because like, Zelda. Yeah. It's like oh, I have all these habits of Zelda. Like, no, you're not playing it right. It's like if you're driving. <laughs> yeah, I've um, thankfully I still have my GameCube, so I was able to plug this in for a little bit. Um, but it has made me realize that I'm a lot worse at video games than I used to be. <laughs> <laughs> Did um, you, you still have your GameCube? How how does that work? Does it just 1080p or, no. or 480p? Or you, yeah, so I you... bought a little, um, a box that converts component to HDMI. Mm -hmm. And then I plug that into my screen and plug the GameCube into that little box. And then it upscales it to 720p. Okay. But does it, it look it, as bad as I think it does? It looks pretty good. <laughs> Especially oh. Wind Waker. Wind Waker looks good. There's other yeah. games where it doesn't look so good, um, but yeah, Wind Waker actually looked pretty, pretty, pretty decent on on that upscaled setting, and uh, nice. it does a pretty good job. And I, that little box was only like twenty bucks on Amazon, so nice. Yeah. The playthrough I watched was captured straight out of a GameCube, and it did not look very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unless you're like in 480p or something like that. Well, see that isn't the Wii U. I mean, the Wii isn't it also only 480p? I thought so. No, no, no. Yeah. It, it, uh, I, don't I don't know. know. <laughs> I know the Wii U was 720p, but I don't know. So let's get into the game then. Let's start yeah. off. With, let's start off with the background for this game. Um, the Legend of Zelda: Wind Waker is the tenth game in Nintendo's flagship action adventure series, The Legend of Zelda, and it was released on the GameCube as an exclusive, obviously, on March 24th, 2003. Now, there's 27 total video games in the Legend of Zelda franchise. Um, there's 22 without remakes so there's like five remakes including uh the ocarina of time in the gamecube collector's edition ocarina of time on the 3ds wind waker hd on the wii u majora's mask on the 3ds and twilight princess on the wii u um link's awakening on the switch is technically a remake of the game boys link's awakening but it's so different from the game boy version that i'm not counting it as a remake but yeah there's 27 games of this series and I am. I, I haven't played the majority of them, to be honest with you, but I was surprised <laughs> that there was that many. Um, development for this game, for Wind Waker, started before Majora's Mask development, way back in the year 2000. And it was originally started off as an evolution of the world and design created in the N64 titles, except with better graphics, 
which led to the original blockbuster demo reel that was shown in Space World of the year 2000 in what was then known as The Legend of Zelda 128. Now, this trailer had a grown-up Link fighting Ganondorf, and this thing was huge. Everyone was hyped about the graphics, the style, badass grown-up Link and Ganon <laughs> fighting in some weirdly lit church. It was just like, this was viral before things could really go viral on the internet. Mm -hmm. uh, do you guys remember seeing this trailer or seeing screenshots for it and, and how you reacted to it? No, I... <laughs> I don't actually, really? which is I, strange because I feel like that's the sort of thing I would have been immediately hyped for, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I mean, it was the same stuff that like when you see a new Marvel movie, like Star Wars trailer or something like that. Yeah. The same kind of oh shit, this is the future. We're gonna play this. Like we're gonna get this soon. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I remember that 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 I remember that year also had Mario one twenty eight as a demo, like a, yes. a, a show reel which was 128 Marios. And everyone was like, that's amazing. It can do so many Marios. And I was just like, yeah, that one's cool. But the grown-up Link, that's that was the thing. Uh, and yeah, I just remember this thing being huge. I remember going on the GamePro forums and talking about it. Um, yeah, it was, it was just a really big deal. The team, however... I, I, oh, go for it. No, I was just going to say, I really missed the naming convention of just naming a game after how many bits are in the system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mario 64. 64. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There was a lot of 64. Star Fox 64. <laughs> yeah, Star Wave Race. Yeah, Wave 64. yeah, it really didn't. It, it, I would have liked if they would have just kept it with 128 and then 256, <laughs> 512. <laughs> and then it gets absurd at a certain point. Yeah. Like 20, 49. Um, yeah, so the team that was working on Legend of Zelda, though, especially director Eiji Aonuma, who was also the director on Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, and Twilight Princess, they always considered that that video was just a tech demo, and they were always looking for a different direction to take the game in. And in a great interview with former Nintendo president um, Iwata on his series Iwata Asks, which is on the Nintendo website, and there's great conversations on there, um, Aonuma said that simply carrying on down the road of Ocarina of Time could have been an option, but, quote, it was difficult for us to imagine ourselves easily coming up with new ideas and expanding on the world if we had chosen that path. Of course, while a game is more than its visuals, it was going to be made mostly by the same people, and the ideas we had within the same team has its limits, end quote. So, yeah, they, they, were, they had done Ocarina of Time, they had done Majora's Mask, they were working on this game, and they realized... We kind of already did everything that we thought of in this world with these rules. And they kind of just didn't want to go bigger and better and shinier. Um, so that I, I thought that was really interesting because it, I thought it was more of like artistic than just like wanting to make a change for a change sake. Um, and the way they got there was that one designer on the team drew a Toon Link as they call it. And another one was inspired by that drawing and drew an enemy Moblin in the same anime style. And that was a spark that Aonuma and the team needed. They immediately started thinking about how a fight between the two would look. And according to Aonuma, quote, it suddenly got interesting with ideas coming out at an incredible speed. And I thought this'll work, end quote. This led to the game being a cel-shaded game that looks like a cartoon, which was a massive departure from the original demo. Um, the change in visual style, however, provided so much inspiration and everything was shaped around that decision 
For example, the team decided that the visual style would work well in an island and ocean setting, then that led to a sailing feature, and also the visual style affected puzzle designs in the way that clues were represented, whether it be with very obvious visual cues that wouldn't or couldn't be done in a photorealistic way, or even using Link's big anime eyes to have him stare at where players should move to next. Uh, so yeah, it, it's pretty interesting how once they had this new visual style, everything just kind of rolled off after that. It's just like, oh, well, if we do this, the fighting will look this way and it'll look cool if it's in an ocean. Oh, well, then obviously we need to sail. And now why are we sailing? And all of these <laughs> other things, it was just kind of like a snowball after that. I um, wonder if like a small team working on a demo on that demo hmm. and then like like on the the ocarina that was just bigger better and they're like ah oh, this sucks like that that was the punishment <laughs> you couldn't work in the ocarina. you had you had to work that they were going to turn in at the end and they're like no we have something bigger we're just working on it <laughs> maybe because i mean he did say that it was the same team essentially that worked on that um but so yeah they they like between the year like between Space World 2000 and Space World 2001, the team was working on this new style and really getting inspired and really rolling with it. Then at Space World 2001, the new look was revealed to the world and so many people hated the look. While others jumped to its defense, people started referring to the games as Zelda, like C-E-L as in cell shading. And immediately the bros of the world used this as a point to reiterate that Nintendo and the GameCube were for kitty gamers. I kind of uh, like Name. It's used derogatorily, but I like that name. <laughs> Zelda? You like Zelda? Yeah, it's, I think it's cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Can we know. can we address the uh, the elephant in the room and talk about the art style here? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Or did you want to say? How how do you all feel about cell shading? I like cell shading. I, I do really like it. Yeah. I was already like coming from the Dreamcast world. Like mm -hmm. one of the coolest games on it was Cell Shaded, which was Jet Grind Radio. Jet mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So like Jet Grind Radio was like a huge hit. It was really cool. The visuals weren't seen as like kitty or gimmicky or anything like that. So mm -hmm. it's just like cell shading is cool. And then you're like, cell shading Legend of Zelda. Oh, that'll be cool too. <laughs> right? yeah, it's like right. the natural progression. Um and to be honest with you, I think a big reason for why I liked it more than most people is because I didn't have a Nintendo 64 until mm -hmm. after I had a GameCube. Oh, okay. So I never played Ocarina of Time extensively. I yeah. I never played Smash. Like I, I played it when I would go over to like my cousin's house or like a friend's house or whatever. But I mm -hmm. never really had that big um, emotional attachment to Ocarina of Time and Grown Up Link. So to me, it was just like, oh, this looks cool. Cell shading is cool. <laughs> okay. Joseph, did you play Ocarina of Time and Majora's oh yeah, as well. Mask? Yeah, I love Ocarina of Time. Majora's Mask hurt me a lot, so I think I only beat it like once or twice. But I I beat Ocarina <laughs> of Time on the sixty four so many times. Uh huh. Like I and I think I've beat every of the every one of the remakes as well. So I have a I have a huge affinity for it. My feelings on Tube Link were just kind of different. Okay, well, like I was like, all right, this is where Zelda's going. Like that's where I'm going because I love Zelda. Like they could do yeah. anything with this franchise, and I'm going to come to it. But I think r retrospective I like it a lot more than I did time for sure. Yeah, same here. I I also played Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, and I those were my first entries into the Zelda series, mm. um, and so I had a lot of affinity for that design. Um, 
so when they when I started seeing things about Wind Waker, I, I saw the cell shading. I'm like, I really like the art style, but I hate the way Toon Link looks. <laughs> <laughs> I think his head's just too big or something. Mm. And like, and it's not the anime style. I, I, I really like anime, but mm. just something away the way Toon Link looks like I, I think you immediately have to do like a stealth mission when you start the game. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that guy's not stealthy, right? Like he's a, he's got a big <laughs> a huge yellow head. head. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but I really like the art style. Um, but and I wanted to discuss this, like like you said, Rod. It it reinforced this idea that the GameCube was for kids, right? Yeah, yeah. Which was the big, which was the big. Um, I don't know if dig or attack on Nintendo. Yeah, it was a big attack on Nintendo. It, mm-hmm. I mean, I think the the worst move that Nintendo did was having Luigi's Mansion as a launch title. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it was just the wrong it was the wrong time. Like we have the X Games and Attitude era here. Yeah. So yeah. like it's just right. another thing to hold against Vince McMahon. And for me to hold against <laughs> Vince McMahon and, and Tony Hawk is they, they did not give me a good appreciation for the GameCube at the time. Yeah, right. it's just like you have Halo on the Xbox, mm-hmm. which you can play like a genetic super soldier that's six three and can like punch a spaceship down right or something like that <laughs> or you can play a scared guy with a vacuum cleaner and it's just like <laughs> which is the which is the cool console here Mario's right scared brother yeah. right it's not even mario who's who's the scared guy it's his it's his loser sidekick brother yeah and, and what's mario was... doing he's cleaning up the world at this time too. <laughs> but you know here's a, the thing about like the Nintendo franchises is that I always think they have like their favorite ones, right? Which is obviously mm-hmm. Mario and Zelda. Now it's um, Super Smash Brothers has joined them mm-hmm. as like their flagship franchises. But I was always a Mario guy, not so much a Zelda guy. Like even going back to like the Super Nintendo, I, I, I didn't, I rented A Link to the Past and that's it. But like I owned Super Mario World and I played it like extensively and i play like got super mario all-stars and i was like all about mario and not so much about zelda to me nintendo has always been mario and metroid and zelda was always kind of like second place or third place even a Um, lot of growing up for me was watching my older brother and my uncle play video games mm. and that well at least on the nes and the super nintendo like a lot of me was watching them and they played zelda a lot so like that was where i got my appreciation for and then once i got to play ocarina like that was the one i really sunk my teeth into the most yeah Yeah. i I, going back i've always been zelda zelda is the reason i come to mario is is my second for sure Mm. yeah i'd say zelda zelda and metroid are my my main nintendo staples that i like to hit up um so like i said i didn't play anything before ocarina of time but as soon as i did i'm like i think this is special to me yeah um so of course i was gonna get a gamecube of course (laughs) i was gonna you know put set my flag down in that camp and it was you know it's kind of hard right when all your friends are playing halo or 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 twisted metal or or metal gear solid but i think a game like this really made it worth it at the time Yeah. yeah i agree um and yeah, for me, that title was like Metroid Prime. I was like, Metroid, yeah, I'm, the Dreamcast is dead. I'm moving on to the GameCube and it's going <laughs> right. Metroid. Uh, but yeah, I think for that reason, maybe is why I didn't, I wasn't too um, 
incensed or scandalized by the visual style change because to me Zelda wasn't like a holy grail. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. just like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, cell shading is cool. Why not put it on Zelda? Whereas other people are like, this is the legend of Zelda. And it's like, I don't, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Who cares? Um, but, you know, I was thinking even to this day, I have beat Mario Odyssey twice and I have not beat um, Breath of the Wild. <laughs> I was just thinking God. before we started, I also haven't beat Breath of the Wild. And I, oh, Joseph, I don't am think I... I even beat uh, Twilight Princess, to be honest. Oh, I, I beat wow. Twilight Princess, yeah. <laughs> Am I the the only Zelda zealot here? I guess so. That's why you're on here? I, <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you. See, I thought Thank I was, but coming. I didn't get a Wii U for a while. That was why I never really got into like into Twilight Princess. Or yeah. Sword. So, right. Oh, right. Yeah. So that's... Yeah. <laughs> Skyward Sword is the one mainline Zelda game that I've skipped. Um, and as I understand, a lot of other people did. Rod, yeah. did you play Skyward Sword? No, no. I didn't even... I didn't even... I, the only time I touched the Wii U was mm-hmm. at the only E3 I ever went to, <laughs> okay. which was the year that the Wii U was was uh, like launched and announced, and Nintendo had a big deal for it. And uh, me and Adrian were there at E3 that year, and mm-hmm. we both spent literally probably like an hour in total at the Wii U booth before we were like, this sucks. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go see Watch Dogs or whatever was going on. But no, I've never, I've never, I literally have never touched the Wii U. Like I, I couldn't tell yeah. you at home, I couldn't tell you what the boot up sound sounds like or anything like that. Yeah, so. I got, I got you on like OfferUp. I, I had my Xbox. I wasn't playing it for a while. And I just went on OfferUp. Like I'll straight up trade you my Xbox for whatever, like my Xbox <laughs> stuff for whatever Wii U stuff you have. Cause I'm not playing. It was my 360 at the time. Mm-hmm. so yeah whoever traded it for me it was like towards the end of the time too i think i only played it for like a month or two and then i was like oh yeah this, this is boring <laughs> well and you know all the best wii u games seem to be getting released on the switch like mario yeah. kart um that donkey kong tropical freeze one yeah. uh uh-huh. like this year they're releasing the new mario super mario 3d the, the mario that was on the wii u they're releasing it on the on the switch so maybe eventually we'll get skyward sword on the switch yeah. um yeah hopefully i don't know I don't even know if I want to play it. <laughs> um, but yeah, kind of going back, the whole, the visual styles, the divide over the visuals would go on to shape the discourse for this game for the rest of its development cycle and even after. And I think it still shapes the discourse around the game to this totally. day. Um, I had a boss and his wife who hate Toon Link. Like, I think it drove <laughs> them away from Nintendo, actually. Well, like, I thought you were going to say drove them away from each other. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, maybe it was their hatred of Toon Link that actually together because they yeah. were the two people that hated it the most that i had ever like heard of I, I don't remember how it came up at one point we were out to lunch or something and i like it came up in passing by somebody at the end of the table and then i think she caught wind of it and then it was like hey brad doesn't two links suck and then they just started like going in at each other like oh man i was like i, I didn't know people could hate video game characters this much yeah yeah i i mean that that was the the discussion point for for a lot for for like everyone and as a result of that the like the game developers were like we're not going to show anything else until yeah. we have more to show until we like refine the gameplay until we build out this game a little more because people are just so they're not even considering this as a game they're just they're they're just talking about how it looks um mm-hmm. but i i think ultimately 
the developers crafted what would what is a great game like i don't think yeah. anyone can say that this game isn't good um so now going a little bit into the game itself or the gameplay uh the game as the name implies has a big emphasis on wind with the players having the titular wind waker a baton that can be used to change the direction of the wind or affect the world in other ways uh, it's kind of like a like an evolution of the Ocarina of Time um, from the previous title, except it's just the baton, right? Uh, this would be helpful as the world is traversed mainly by boat and Link goes island hopping with a dungeon usually on every island he encounters. And the world is massive with up to 49 fully fleshed out islands that the player can explore. Um, like all Zelda games, Wind Waker is a dungeon crawler type adventure game where Link slowly acquires new items or abilities that then let him have access to new areas or defeat bosses and then advance the story. Um, Story-wise, the story is not something I want to spend too much time on because uh, at least according to me, they're never really the strong point of Zelda and they're very confusing. Uh, there's like branching timelines and <laughs> games don't occur chronologically. So pretty much I'll try and go into it a little bit here. But after Ocarina of Time, there's like a split into three ways. There's a split where the hero is defeated. There's another one where the hero is triumphant as an adult. And there's one where the hero is triumphant as a child. Um, so Wind Waker takes place in what is known as the adult era when the hero is triumphant. Um, and Wind Waker's Link is known as the hero of the wind because clearly he can do wind. So all of the Legend of Zeldas feature a Link who is a hero, but the hero is kind of like a cowl, like a title that gets passed from one person to the next, and they fit the need of the world at that time. Uh, the one thing that is unique about Toon Link or the hero of the wind is that um, he wasn't outright chosen. He kind of forces the gods to choose him. Uh, so he's kind of really strong-willed in that sense. And he's like, screw it. I'm going to go get my sister. Screw it. I'm going to go save this person. Like, he's just really strong-willed. And he kind of forces the gods to choose him. Um, but yeah, in this timeline, the whole reason why you're navigating everywhere is because there was a Noah-like flood that flooded Hyrule. And <laughs> where there used to be fields, there is now an ocean. And kind of what's left are just like the mountaintops or the higher elevations. Um but yeah, I, it's very confusing. There's a lot of charts out there that'll explain the story to you. Um, but the point is, there's always going to be a hero. You're always going to be playing that person. They rarely speak. And I'll address that a little later. Um, and they all follow um, the similar pattern of like being dungeon crawlers. You go up, you, you get more powerful and there's a princess and there's a Ganon. It's like there's always a Link, mm -hmm. a Zelda and a Ganon. Um, mm -hmm. in every single timeline and every single story. Uh, but in this one, Zelda is a pirate first before she's a princess. So that's a twist, I guess. <laughs> I, I really, I know it doesn't matter to a lot of people. And honestly, it doesn't super matter to me. But I, uh, like I mentioned twice already that I played Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. Mm. And to me, this one, it's like, okay, I see that this is Zelda. I see that there's a there's still a, a link and a Zelda and a Ganon and everything. Mm. Um, but now you're sailing around. And like you mentioned, Rod, uh, 
you find out throughout the game and it's it's kind of a revelatory moment that you find out like okay the reason i'm sailing is that this is still hyrule but mm -hmm. hyrule's been flooded and everything i'm seeing is just you know the 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 mountaintops of what was old hyrule yeah uh, so it's this really interesting moment that you have when you realize that and then i think at a certain point you find like hyrule castle and it's underwater and, and uh, you get to go down into Hyrule Castle and it, it looks like you remember and you find, you know, the master sword mm -hmm. and everything. But it's this it, it's this really good jump in continuity. Right. It, it's yeah. sort of like uh, I don't know if you guys saw. Um, oh, what was the the M. Night Shyamalan movie? Uh, uh, Signs? No, 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 no. <laughs> the, the one before Glass um, Split. I don't know if you guys saw Split. No. <laughs> uh, no, that's okay. That's okay. But there's a moment in Split where you're watching it happen, and then at the very end, it links you to the previous events of Unbreakable. Mm. And it sort of hits you that this is a, a sequel to Unbreakable. Mm. Um, and the same thing happens in, in Wind Waker, where you're like, oh, wow, this is the same Zelda, right? Yeah. This is Hyrule. This is still the same world i'm just you know living in a post-apocalyptic version of it yeah. um it's just this really cool uh i guess not easter egg but this really cool Reparation. bit of lore that they tie into the mechanics and everything yeah 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 like for the i think that's really cool too. a really good point because going into it like you're yeah this this whole sailing element that hasn't been in the series at all to this like zelda is there you there's a blonde girl with blue eyes who is zelda but you don't really know it's zelda until like they show you for sure yes this is zelda when mm -hmm. you get into the the castle like andy's saying yeah. so yeah like th like that's a cool revelation in the middle of it we're like yes this is actually that you're that you're used to and this is probably the the first game in the series that can do that right because like the super nintendo ones weren't linked to each other it's not like ocarina of time was shown to be in the same universe as a link to the past you just have the mm -hmm. names to go by but this is the first time that 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 was actually shown and you can see that in later games too even like breath of the wild has a lot of the same locations that ocarina of time did uh mm -hmm. they just look way more run down and things like that so yeah i think that that's a good point that even though the visual style is so different and everything like that like nintendo's letting you know this is the same world that you're in um so and only like people that played the last one would really get that moment because to me i was just like cool hyrule all right <laughs> yeah it's cool for them to like like build on that because the first ones yes you're just playing because it's video games video games are fun and then mm -hmm. like but now mm -hmm. you're actually playing it on these platforms that they could start build out and like build these grand visions that they had and to do that instead of just like oh we'll just go back to where we playing just making like a regular dungeon crawler yeah mm -hmm. yeah um so yeah about that dungeon crawler like i think it's it's a it's a tried and true formula and to call legend of zelda just a dungeon crawler though uh, which is what i did earlier would be a bit reductionist because the simple fact is that legend of zelda is the dungeon crawler it's the granddaddy of them all and wind waker is a great iteration of it it's a beautiful game with a fully realized and thought out art style. It's 
thoroughly thought out dungeons and characters. It has really fun boss fights. It has great music. It's fantastically polished. It's just an overall great game that was overshadowed by its massive departure from what was the original expectation of the game, but was undoubtedly one of the best games of the era. And up until Breath of the Wild, maybe the best Zelda game, at least I would say so, uh, given that, but I mean, I played Ocarina of Time after I played Wind Waker, but yeah, I consider this maybe the second best Zelda game. I, I like it more than I like Twilight Princess and I didn't play Skyward Sword. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, is there anything else that you guys want to say about Wind Waker before we get into its release and the critical reception at the time? I'm sorry, I was a dumb child at the time. Huh? I said I'm sorry, I was a dumb child at the time <laughs> and couldn't appreciate it. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I really liked it. and um, I liked yeah. it. I didn't appreciate it as much as I <laughs> now, I should say. I'd like to... I'd like to give a shout out to that score, man. Um, oh, yeah. I was yeah. going back and watching videos of the gameplay and just, man, every every Zelda game knocks it out of the park with, with the score. Yeah. Um, you know, this one's not as iconic as I think maybe Ocarina of Time is, but the main Zelda theme, they, they had a really, it's kind of like Mission Impossible where they change it up for every iteration. Hmm. Uh, this one, they definitely give it a nautical theme, um, and it's just such a such an awesome, you know, interpretation of the Zelda theme for for a, what's essentially like a, a an island hopping game. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I I just really really like that Zelda score, man. Yeah, the music is good, and um, it's that's there's a reason why the Zelda music or the Zelda games music is always included in those. Symphonic orchestra plays video game <laughs> soundtrack concert tours, right? Uh, yeah. Because they are very, very good. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, let's get into the critical reception at the time. Um, as divisive as the visuals were, Wind Waker had pretty much universal critical acclaim. It has a 96 out of 100 Metacritic score from 80 reviews, which has it tied for the second best reviewed GameCube game of all time with Resident Evil 4 and The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. First place is Metroid Prime with a Metacritic score of 97. So, yeah, Wind Waker is the second best reviewed game on the GameCube. So even the visuals couldn't, uh, like, derail this game. Um, <laughs> of the 80, it has 27 perfect scores. Um, and here's what some of those perfect scores said. Play Magazine, which is my second favorite video game magazine ever, says, quote, nothing can prepare you for the greatness that is The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker. Mark my words, there will be no finer gaming experience this year, end quote. Um, our friends at taprepeatedly.com, formerly known as 4fatchicks.com, had someone <laughs> by the name of Old Rooster say the following, and I thought this was kind of like a humble braggish uh, thing, that's why I included it. But Old Rooster said, quote, of the 300 plus games I have played, Zelda Wind Waker <laughs> ranks in my top three of all time. It's elegant, enchanting, engrossing, beautifully stylized, perfectly polished, a gaming work of art, a masterpiece. This game alone makes the GameCube a worthwhile purchase, becoming the most easily recommended game I have ever reviewed, end quote. What he left out as one of the other three was that Custards game on the original <laughs> Nintendo. Oh, the Custards, Custards Revenge? Revenge? Yeah. 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 Uh, do yourself a favor, reader, and Google that if you don't know what it is. Uh, not on your work computer. Yeah, don't do it at work. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought it was really funny. I read the whole review, and this person is only a PC gamer. 
and they they just got a GameCube for uh, Wind Waker, and they liked it so much that they and it's a really long review. Like for for uh, fourfatchicks.com, I think it's the longest review I've found <laughs> from them. Um, but yeah, I mean, three hundred plus games, and this is the reason why he got a a GameCube. I think this is why nin- this is what Nintendo was hoping would happen uh, mm-hmm. with the vast majority of people, meaning like that it would move consoles as well. Um, but we'll, we'll touch on that a little later. Um, my darling GamePro also gave it a perfect score or a 5.0 fun factor in GamePro terms. And in his review, Star Dingo said, quote, The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker dares to defy the notion that games need to be more gritty and realistic by choosing instead to become exactly the opposite. Lynx is an adventure as old as time, but it feels like the most refreshing game in the world thanks to creative, daring, insanely superior production values, end quote. So yeah, I thought that was a, a, a good point to bring up because it was such a massive departure from what was happening in the rest of the video game world, right? Where things were just becoming more brown and more explosive and more bloody and more... I don't know, just everything was just dirtier looking. Um, Wind Waker was totally the opposite of, of that. And that was the thing that impeded a lot of people from from like getting it. But if you were to just look past that, you would see that that worked really well with, with the game they were building. So I like that GamePro pointed that out. Even two of the three Bro magazines gave it a perfect score. <sighs> FHM and Maxim. I could not find a review from Stuff Magazine, but I'm sure they gave it a perfect score also. Um, some of the non-perfect scores came from, for example, EGM, who gave it a 98 and said the animation is incredible and the world is perfectly realized. GameSpy gave it a 97, calling it a work of gaming genius. There's no other game coming out in 2003 that'll touch the Wind Waker. And IGN gave it a 96, saying, quote, it's Zelda's unrivaled design, balanced and varied, and it's polished play mechanics and control that ultimately set the game apart from just about every other competitor on the market, end quote. So there's 97 out of 100 saying nothing's going to touch it? Like- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I th- <laughs> it, this is the era of video game reviews where like, they had to be rough. They had to be tough and give bad reviews <laughs> for the sake of giving bad reviews. It's just Ugh. like, yeah, this is a 97, but if it would have done this, it's a 98 or whatever. It's just like, yeah. just say it's really good. <laughs> Right, that 100-point scale seems really arbitrary in mm-hmm. hindsight. Yeah, that's why, I kind of, that's why, like, even though you could talk bad about game pros or whatever, it's just like, just give me one out of five. Like, should I get yeah. it? Yes or no, right? It's just, yeah. you don't have to go that granular. Um, but yeah, I could not find a single bad review for this game. Um, I'm sure if I would have found an archive of the GamePro.com gaming forums at the time, I would have found a bad review on like the Xbox uh, users forum, but I couldn't, I couldn't find anything. Even then, you'd probably still have to. It just goes to show all these designers who, yeah, everybody shat on their game when they came out to show it to the world. And they're like, no, like we're, we know what we're doing. Mm. And then once it comes out, everybody plays it. And they're like, yeah, we love this. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of Game of the Year, it got that award from a bunch of places, including GameSpot, GameFAQs, or FAQs, and Nintendo Power. IGN gave it the Reader's Choice Award and named it Best Adventure Game. And in the 2004 Game Developers' Choice uh, Awards, it was a finalist in Game of the Year, losing out to Knights of the Old Republic, um, which, I mean, that's another really big game. Yeah. Uh, it won Outstanding Achievement in Art Direction at the Interactive Achievement Awards. 
so yeah it was like it got a lot of awards it got a lot of really really good reviews i couldn't find anyone that really had something bad to say about like i couldn't find anyone that say this is a bad game don't play this game i gotta um, call up my boss real quick <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah uh Going into the sales, though, because there's a bit of a discrepancy between the critical reception and how well Wind Waker sold. Because sales-wise, the Wind Waker didn't do as well as Nintendo would have hoped. Primarily meaning it didn't drive much console sales. While it did have the most successful pre-order campaign in the history of Nintendo, with close to 500,000 pre-orders, it only ended up selling 4.6 million copies. Which is kind of sad, like uh, only 4.6 million, but they were expecting something like 7 million copies, which is what the Ocarina of Time did. Um, and in 2003, there were only about 7 million GameCube sold, so they didn't really add that many GameCube sales with this game. Like it didn't move consoles the way they were hoping hoping it would. It reached a little more than half of what Ocarina of Time did. So it was, in terms of like Nintendo's expectations for it. Um, kind of a failure, but it ended up being the fourth best-selling game for the GameCube behind Smash Brothers Melee, Mario Kart Double Dash, and Super Mario Sunshine, and ahead of Luigi's Mansion, Animal Crossing, and Metroid Prime. Did the GameCube come out before the Xbox? It came out after, right? I think they came out really, really close to each other. Because okay. um, I was wondering if the, this generation or the next one, when Nintendo is very clearly like, always the it's going to come out. They're going to come out when they're ready. Yeah. No, it had to be it, the next one. Yeah, it wasn't on this one because... Yeah, the, so the GameCube launched on November 5th, 2001, and the Xbox launched on November 15th, 2001. Yeah, okay. So it was a little bit So ahead. it was definitely the Wii generation. For, for comparison, I looked it up. Uh, the I guess just to set the sense of scale of what they were both working against, the, the PlayStation 2 had sold 70 million co uh, units by this point <laughs> in 2003. Yeah, the PS2 so, was a monster. Right, right. It was a behemoth. And it's because of those DVDs, man. You needed yeah. a DVD player <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> without an extra attachment or anything like that. That's yep. how I've been able to rationalize every console purchase. <laughs> Well, we need a I'm sure I'll need a, yeah, or an HD DVD player. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of weird to to be disappointed with 4.6 million sales. Uh, but Nintendo was because they had really, really high hopes um, for this game. So, but yeah, uh, everyone that I knew with the GameCube had one. I think all yeah. three of us had it, right? Yep, that's right. Yeah. Um, so going into the behind the scenes or trivia on it and it kind of ties into the sales because if you pre-order this game it came with ocarina of time for the gamecube which fueled a lot of pre-order numbers and that's how i got ocarina of time so the first ocarina of time that i owned was actually a port to the gamecube and not the <laughs> n64 version and i didn't play it though until after wind waker came out so like i had it there i booted it and i was like cool i'll play this later um, but yeah, I still have that thing with me. I, I think it's a nice little collector thing. I don't know if it, it'll, if it'll ever be worth something, but I like it and I have it. And then I'll buy it off you at some point. <laughs> Another little piece of trivia is that real world constellations can be seen in the skies at night. These include the Big Dipper, Orion and Cassiopeia, which then leads to the question, is Hyrule somewhere on the earth? <laughs> If they can see the same sky, you should be able to calculate where you're at, right? 
It's not like they're in another planet or anything like that. So, um, yeah, that's what I want to know. I want to get Neil deGrasse Tyson to tell me, looking at this night sky, where on the Earth are they? We can go and dig there to see what we find. As a Star Wars fan, I'll say, Neil deGrasse Tyson does not fun to a fandom. Oh, no, he's not fun. He's he's the least fun guy on Twitter. Yeah, he's not fun to a fandom. Let's keep him away from Zelda. (laughs) What are you going to say, Andy? Oh, no, no, no. um, What movie was it that Neil deGrasse Tyson was uh, talking about how I think the constellations were all wrong? Is that Interstellar or was it Star Wars? It was probably Star Wars. He he talks bad (laughs) about everything. Yeah, Um, yeah. There there was one where I think it was when the world started turning on Neil deGrasse Tyson when (laughs) everyone's like, okay, all right, we get it, Neil deGrasse Tyson. (laughs) To me, it was a Pluto thing, man. Just let Pluto be a planet, bro. To me, it was the BBA. I'm like, shut up. I know droids don't work in real life. I don't believe that they do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe maybe it's a better a better idea to keep Neil deGrasse away from this. So some other astronomer, tell me where in the world this is. Um, another little thing is that Link yells, come on, when he calls Medial Nakar or a statue using the command melody. This is the first canon Zelda game in which Link speaks actual words, which I think is so, huge. And again, so screeches and screams are not considered. <laughs> no more. Yeah. <laughs> it's not considered talking. It further reinforces that Hyrule is somewhere in the earth, right? If he's speaking English. <laughs> English. Yeah, it's, he's somewhere here. So, But this is the first time that Link does that. Um, <laughs> so that, I thought that was pretty notable. Um, at one point, there was supposed to be a Wind Waker 2 on GameCube. It was scrapped, but many of the ideas were reused for Legend of Zelda Phantom Hourglass. Instead, um, the team decided to shift to something that would be more of a hit in the North American market because the Japanese market was going through like a video game recession almost. Uh, They were calling it like gamer fatigue or game drain, something like that. So instead of doing Wind Waker 2, the team shifted to something that would attract more North American audiences, which resulted in Twilight Princess. And what's interesting is that Twilight Princess used the same engine as the Wind Waker. So underlying, it's it's the same thing. Um, so it's it's pretty impressive what that little engine could deliver, right? Which is yeah. both of these very separate uh, visual styles. Another little piece of trivia is that Wind Waker was re-released on the Wii U. And I was looking at some videos of it, and I think it looks worse. Like, it's widescreen now, and it's 720p, <laughs> but I don't know. Something about it, like, it, the, the characters don't look as flat. They look a little more rounded and shiny and the shadows are off. Like I was looking at a comparison mm. and it just like on, on the GameCube version, Link had like shadows across his face when the trees were above him. And on the Wii U version, he didn't. And I was like, that, that doesn't look as good, even though Link looks shinier and rounder and everything. I just I just don't think it looks as good. But um, they added other things to it, which is um, like the Wii U version has a faster sail so that you can go through the ocean uh, quicker, which is pretty good. And uh, But yeah, I, I haven't played it. Maybe it'll get released on the Switch, because I would like a remake. I would like to play this game again. Yeah. Another little bit of trivia is that The Wind Waker influenced Breath of the Wild, which features a similarly stylized art design. Like, it's almost cel-shaded. It just has more realistic proportions. And Breath of the Wild also includes species from The Wind Waker, and uh, like and other references, for example, 
Um, you can even get the same lobster shirt, that blue shirt that Link starts off the game with in Wind Waker. Mm -hmm. You can mm -hmm. get that shirt in Breath of the Wild, um, which has led some fans to speculate that this follows the adult timeline established by the Wind Waker, in essence being a sequel to the Wind Waker, or at least happening on the same timeline. Um, and the last little bit of trivia is that this is the first thing Andy and I ever spoke about back in high school. I don't know if you I don't know if you remember this Andy but you used to have like history class with uh with a, another group of our friends uh with Jacob and Raul and them and they invited you for lunch and I didn't have history with them but I would have lunch with them and we spoke about uh Wind Waker the first mm -hmm. time that we were in, in line at lunch I still remember that to this day interesting yeah i i didn't remember that sorry ron no it's not uh, it, it's fine don't worry it's not that it's not necessarily that you made a great impression on me it's that <laughs> here's the thing here's the thing is that that day was also a day when students were busted having sex in one of the bathrooms outside of the cafeteria and uh -huh. i just remember i was just remembering how like what kind of how are we in the same age group? I'm talking right. about Wind Waker, <laughs> yeah, like uh -huh. cartoon Zelda, and there's kids getting kicked out of school for <laughs> what's happening. Yeah. So that that confluence uh, of things really cemented a place in my brain that I'll never forget. Yeah. It's like, oh wow, they're living a different life than than me, aren't they? <laughs> they definitely were. They they probably still are. Um, yeah. Uh, that's that's funny. Uh, yeah, I just uh, like you said, there weren't that many GameCube sold. Period. Mm -hmm. And so I just remember, you know, that that being one of the things that like I had in common with you is that we both had GameCubes. And <laughs> I don't think anybody else did. I don't think I knew you yet at the time, Joseph. Um, yeah. But, I, Met you through them mm -hmm. eventually, but I uh, I was listening to your Metroid Prime episode and I specifically remembered Jimmy Joyner and everyone else calling Metroid <gasps> Prime Scan Game. Yes, <laughs> uh, and I, I I also remember that bothering me so much. So yeah, yeah, we we our GameCube roots go deep, Rod. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I I. I... I think the purse handle was a great idea on the GameCube, personally. <laughs> That's how much I love it. Did yeah. you ever use the, the purse handle? I don't I, think I... I have now, just as a point, it's like, look at this thing. Look what it can do. <laughs> Didn't they come out later and say, oh, please don't actually carry your yes. GameCube by the handle? Yeah, like it can break or something like that. Yeah. Especially yeah. as it was getting older. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no. Uh, is there anything else that you guys found uh, like trivia or weird fun fact wise that you want to bring up before we move on to the questions? I read the Moto played the mandolin on the title theme. Oh, wow. I didn't know <laughs> that. Cool. Um, Andy, did you find anything? No. Oh, man. I feel terrible now. I should have gone and looked for trivia. No. And you know, the thing is, there wasn't that much. Like, there's a lot of games that you can find, like a lot of Easter eggs and stuff like that. Um, there was one thing that I thought I wanted, I was going to include on here in that same Iwata Speaks uh, conversation that they have about Wind Waker. It's just like two of the guys that worked on the game, Aonuma and another one of the designers, talk about how this is the first game that their wives enjoyed um, mm. because they knew that they played on games and everything, but they never played any of their games until they saw like a trailer for, for Wind Waker. And they're like, hey, that looks nice. And it was like, yeah, we're working on that. It's like, oh, really? Cool. <laughs> I want to play that. Uh, but I didn't know if that was interesting because I don't, no one else that I know had that experience. 
That's cool though, because we talked about last a lot last season how like this generation made video games a lot more accessible to a lot more people. True. So yeah. like yeah, we have you have these like middle aged women that are the <laughs> wives of video game creators, never playing one of their games, and then they see this cute little tune and they're like, oh, I want to play that. Yeah, I, yeah, that that I bet you that would have been cool because um. Like if your wife is just like showing no interest in your work and suddenly she does like, oh, cool. Or maybe it made him, I don't know how, you know, Japanese psyche is very different. Maybe that gave yeah. them more pressure and they actually spent more time away from them at work <laughs> so as, as to not fail their wives' expectations or something. I don't know. Um, so yeah, let's, let's get into our questions. So our first question is, what is your favorite moment or thing about this game? Uh, why don't you start us off, Joseph? Uh, the game was so many standout moments, um, like the Zelda reveal and the Master Sword pool, defeating Ganon. Mm. It's hard to pick one, uh, so I'll just cop out and then mention all those and say the sound. <laughs> uh, I really like the soundtrack, like Andy was saying earlier. to reuse so many themes like and if you really listen you can hear them like different themes from even earlier in like ocarina and like mm. link to the past and stuff and um they have multiple composers and i think definitely for the first time and i don't know if for the only time um so i'm on the composer's name the guy who usually does zelda it's koji kondo, kondo yeah. right yeah uh yeah so he didn't do he didn't do all of the soundtrack and I don't think he even served as, um, as direct. I'm not mistaken. I think he just composed on this one. So like, it gives you this feel of these different disconnected islands, but each one feels like super fleshed out in its own. Um, and I think it really adds to the, the game where you're going from island hopping to island hopping. Um, and that's not even to mention like the sound design and how they were able to match the tune look with like some of their very familiar tones. Like, for example, like the zombie scream, like it sounds like the zombie scream in Ocarina, but not exactly. Like it's a little more <laughs> tune. And everything kind of has like a little more whimsy to it in yeah. in their sound design, uh, ex except for like the uh, the chess theme, I think was the only one that they didn't touch <laughs> everything else actually like kind of, they lent, they leaned into the art style. As well, it was really, I really liked that a lot. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. The, the sound really, really was great. Um, one thing that I really liked was just the, the, the sound of the sailing, like yeah. the visuals mm -hmm. were great, but it just sounded so good and it matched so well. And I don't know, it was just a very, very relaxing game. Um, what about you, Andy? What was your favorite moment or thing about this game? Yeah, the the thing I think I really, really liked about it, um, it, I don't know if it was a specific moment, but the thing that I most like is the the sailing, the feeling of sailing. Mm. Um, because you set out on this ocean and it's just this world of possibility in front of you, right? Mm. Like there, you, can, you don't, I, I think there's like, I'm sure some way that drives you from island to island, but you set up on this big ocean and you can go anywhere. Yeah. And this is, you know, before the, the internet was really big before we had game guides that, or walkthroughs or anything. Yeah. Unless you purchase, you know, the, uh, the game guide from GameStop or something. Yeah. 
but you just didn't know what was out there. You could land on an island for all you knew. You could sail off the edge of the world or something. Uh, but for me in particular, uh, we all grew up in El Paso, and El Paso was famous for not having <laughs> water, water or oceans or anything. Yep. yep. Uh, and so at the time, I had never seen like a large body of water, the ocean, or even like a large lake or anything. So just the idea of getting on a ship and sailing across the world was just so alien and exotic and uh, freeing. And it was just this really cool um uh, cool thing that that was just not part of my world and going back and watching um gameplay elements like when you set off on, on sale like seagulls follow you and, yeah. and the 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 score swells and it's just a really um a amazing feeling that it invokes for someone who's never seen the ocean before <laughs> yeah i i think it's something about how they captured that where it's it's almost romantic in the way that it, like the ship yeah. bounces, the music yeah. swells, you can the see water, a, the, the breaks on it. Yeah, the sky changes, the the, wa yes. the waves breaking, all of that. It's just it's such a it's a beautiful moment. It's a beautiful yeah. aspect of the game. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that kind of ties into my favorite thing, which is I actually it's the art style, everything about it. Like hmm. I've always been an animation person. Like I like anime and animation movies and. Like, I remember reading a review that was like, this rivals Disney and Studio Ghibli animations, which kind of looking back, it doesn't. But as I was playing it, I would convince myself that I'm playing yeah. a Studio Ghibli movie. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I'm playing uh, Princess Mononoke. Like, this is in the same world. And, uh, you know, like the, the, the Deku tree part of it, I was just like, yeah, this is Princess Mononoke's forest and I'm in here and crap like that. Um, and it just worked so well. Even like, looking back, the enemies were drawn so so beautifully the the birds the the way the clouds of smoke were animated it just mm -hmm. it just looked mm -hmm. so well and it was so well thought out and it, this was something that i thought even back then because even back then trying to play playstation games you could already see how dated they were so thinking to myself like there's going to come a time when the ps2 and gamecube looks dated um and we're going to think the graphics are dumb but Zelda looks like a cartoon now. Like Wind Waker looks like a cartoon now. And 10 yeah. years from now, it's going to look like a cartoon. And 20 years yeah. from now, it's going to look like a cartoon. And that has pretty much held true. Um, because even like looking back on it now, it it doesn't look as like it didn't age badly necessarily. The resolution is low, sure. But it's not like it looks old. Like it just yeah, looks like I you're was... watching a cartoon on like Fox Kids Morning on an old TV, yeah. right? Yeah, I was able to watch the game. I specifically at the GameCube playthrough and was able to watch that. Where like I looked up the PS2 playthrough of Shadow of the <laughs> last season, and I was like, "No, yeah. I'm just gonna play this on PlayStation because this is not. I can my eyes do this." Yeah, and and so I think that that is my favorite thing because it was um, like a departure from what the rest of the video game industry was doing. It was like a like almost defiant in the way it was done because no one else was doing that and i really like like doing the research for this game that it was driven just by um the designers wish to work on something that excites them um 
like you know like there there was no there was that no that sounds very dreamcast from like from yeah. doing a lot of these episodes it sounds very dreamcast yeah like there was no market research there was no uh what what is our main demographic going after now what are they into it's just like let's do something for us that motivates us that makes us want to come to work every day and that's what wind waker was and uh, yeah. that's what the art style was and everything built around it shows that so yeah it's it's my favorite thing about it it's even though it's do the you, most controversial thing. Do you know if this was made by a Japanese studio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Probably, right? Yeah, yeah it was okay. made by uh, by uh, EAD, by Nintendo Entertainment and Arts Division. Um, okay. And the director was Aonuma, who did all the way up to Twilight yeah, Princess right. before shifting it to the guy that did Breath of the Wild now. Yeah, um, and that's such a, such a really cool, um, cool thing that you mentioned, Rod, that it's just these these people you know grew up on anime i'm sure and mm. watch anime and and wanted to bring that passion into their work here mm-hmm. and it, it really shows like it, it's not an anime game or anything but yeah. like you said it looks like a cartoon and it, it's it's something that they were able to put so much of their their passion into that it just really shows yeah yeah i agree i, I think overall this is just uh, a game that shows like passion and interest and fully thought out and what games can be um, when people care about it, right? <laughs> Overall. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, moving on to the second question. What is the worst part of the game? Andy, what do you think is the worst part of this game? Uh, okay, so this is where <laughs> where the, the tribalists, you know, I, I've said in my ways, nature of, <laughs> of me comes out. Uh, I like the art style, but the worst part for me was that this is a departure from classic Zelda, right. meaning the two games that I had played. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, like, I don't care about the timeline. And in fact, like I said, I like the fact that this is Hyrule that's flooded. Mm. But in terms of things I would like from a Zelda game, I, I, I don't like the fact that it's not your classic Zelda game, meaning I still want to see the... The Zora and the Gorons and the the Gerudos, you know, mm. you know I still want to visit Hyrule Castle, which I, I guess you do get to visit in this game. But <laughs> I, I like seeing Hyrule Castle. What's that, Joseph? Is this the first one with Koroks? Uh, it might be. This is, uh, I think it yeah, is. I just yeah. remember the, the, this is the first time I remember seeing them. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. Um, yeah, like Koroks are new. Uh, I think <laughs> Bokoblins are new in this one. Um, and to to a certain extent, like I, I just waxed poetic about the sailing and everything. But sometimes I still wish that I just had a horse and a field to run across. <laughs> uh, and not having that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Mm. But, you know, like that's it's changed and that's not always a bad thing. But. For me, it doesn't quite feel like any of the other Zelda games, even the ones that would come later, um, for better or worse. But I, I just, uh, it's not a knock on the game. It's a, that's a me thing, right? Like <laughs> I want my Zelda game. Yeah. It, it's not a, it's not necessarily the worst part of the game. But for me, like that's that's what I wanted, yeah. at the time anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you definitely were not alone in that, and I'm probably still not alone in that. Um, what do you think, Joe? What's the worst part of the game for you? 
uh yeah i mean i i'll definitely agree that you weren't alone in that like that was part of my hesitation to getting into this kind of at first even though i did pre-order it <laughs> i played ocarina i played ocarina of time probably when it came out again before i like got into wind waker it took me a bit because it was zelda like the zelda that we know anyway um but i think the the tediousness at the end and that triforce um, yes. it's mentioned a lot in reviews but yeah like um, I wonder how how they test tested anybody in the whole game as opposed to playing it like in the sections, the beginning section and then the end mm-hmm. section because they're great if you play them independently. But then when you put them all together and then you like, especially with the Triforce being that last part, and you have to go sailing everywhere to collect all those all the charts and then get them interpreted and then go back and find like, oh man, I I was like podcast backlog during this because while i was listening to my playthrough <laughs> there's so much downtime that i was just like listening to stuff and kind of like okay are we still all right i can go back to like <laughs> pay attention to this yeah to me that's also the worst thing that triforce treasure hunt it almost ruins the game like it, it, it what I, no uh please refresh my memory what it's been you know like over a decade since i've played what, what was the triforce treasure hunt what so after so you get it? through uh so once you get to Hyrule, or it's, uh-huh. it's even after that, I think, yeah. because it's after you already get like the the fire and ice arrows and everything. Mm-hmm. You have to go through and build the for the Triforce piece that Link had originally, or the hero had originally. Mm-hmm. So you have to go find eight different charts throughout the, and then go get them interpreted by Tingle or whatever it yeah. is. <laughs> and then you have to go find the treasure themselves, and then go like do the crane all into the sea and then pull it up and yeah it's just it's just tedious is the thing it's uh, you just had and so like rod saying like yeah uh, like it it almost ruins the game i I could get that too uh yeah if it wasn't so satisfying it would definitely (laughs) ruin the game yeah and so it's like you need to do that before you can you can get to the final fight um and you have to go back to tingle every time and it's just like this made me hate tingle i was gonna put tingle here (laughs) Um, but I mean, there's just so much goodwill built up to that point and the sailing can be so reassuring that if it wasn't for that, it would ruin the game. And I was reading that in the Wii U version, they actually shortened that. And, um, even between the North American and the Japanese release of the original GameCube game, they shortened that because, um, they had planned two more dungeons for the game. (sighs) They couldn't fit them in. They're like, we'll just have this hunt at the end. And those two dungeons were added to Twilight Princess, which is why Twilight Princess has more dungeons than like a traditional Zelda game, because it has two of the ones that were planned for the Wind Waker. But yeah. Sorry, finish your thought. No, I was going to say that thing, that treasure hunt at the end almost ruins the game for me. That is literally the only thing of this game that that I don't like. They did a lot of goodwill. So after that treasure hunt, sorry, the final is almost an hour long i realized that in my playthrough really yeah <laughs> oh wow uh so structurally the the treasure hunt is that not because yeah that sounds tedious at the end but is that not something you could have done or theoretically should have done throughout the the whole game and then at the end you just pick up the last couple pieces or is I don't think you know to... you're looking for them until the middle of the game. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. yeah it's okay. not revealed to you that you're going to need it until they're like, the Triforce is actually shattered. You have yeah. to rebuild it. So that, Bummer. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, it's, 
Definitely. I mean, did he have to break it into eight pieces? Like four or five wasn't enough. <laughs> I think that's what they did in the Wii U. I think in the Wii U, they make it so that there's like only five of them and you don't have to go back to Tingle every time or something like that. Yeah. You okay. can like mail yeah. it to him or something like that. <laughs> See, the playthrough I watched wasn't as t- like, w- they even kind of took out the tediousness, tediousness too because they knew where they were going. So mm. it was also like way quicker. Yeah. They went to get all the charts and then they went to Tingle and then they went to get the uh, the treasures. But even that was like, four or five hours of gameplay doing all that stuff yeah yeah it was just it almost ruined for me it almost ruined the game because i as much as i like metroid i hate backtracking when it's just backtracking for backtracking sake yeah like you didn't have any new skills or anything like that you're doing the same action every time it was just it's okay i forgive it um (laughs) another before we jump off real quick one big gripe i had was giving the fairies faces like if i'm bottling up something to save me later i don't want to see the sadness in its face oh no oh i don't remember them having faces that's horrible (laughs) do you uh canonically do you eat the fairies i I think i remember them just like circling around you and flying away Okay, yeah. I just the want to make just sure you're not life. consuming them. You should drink them out of the bottle. That would be funny because <laughs> they don't have any other animations. Yeah, they just spill their life essence on you. <laughs> uh, cool. Uh, moving on to the third question: How did this game age, and what parts of it aged the best or worst aside from the graphics? What do you think, uh, Joe? Uh, I think it aged really well. I mean, it does a good job to make sure that they're super tight like the game itself is going to be tight when it releases like they're the ones famous for the bad game is bad forever quote mm. um but yeah like what like what you were saying in terms of what they what they chose to do i think so helps it in terms of like it's aging like looking mm. back on it for sure um it, i th- yeah, in retrospect, like it did more to reveal that with the gaming community who like they made them look like fools for rejecting it at the time. Yeah. And then once oh, like we said, it was so great that it just stood above all the criticism of it. Yeah. For sure. What do you think, Andy? Um, I I, I think it aged gracefully is the best word that I can come mm. up with. And it, it's exactly like you were saying, Rod, almost word for word is that it's thanks to the cell shading. It's mm. it's just permanently beautiful, right? Like mm. it, it's not it, it's not old PS2 graphics. You can look at it now and it looks like a cartoon. It, it's like same reason that those old Disney, you know, the hand animated 2D movies like like Lion King and Aladdin look so good compared to like a 3D movie at the time, for example, like Toy Story looked really good, but if you yeah. go back and watch Toy Story again now, it kind of looks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the the cell shading of 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 Wind Waker just really ensured that it wouldn't it wouldn't date itself ever, uh, other than like you said the the resolution. But like it just it looks good even to this day, and and the gameplay uh, that's all visually. The gameplay it's it's a it's a Zelda game, right? Like it's. Yeah solid it, it, you can pick it up and copy paste it into any other console and it'll play perfectly yeah um so i, I think it, it still feels modern mm. in a lot of ways because i don't know if i don't know of many other games that have sailing as a primary component uh um, assassin's creed 3 assassin's is the only creed. one <laughs> yeah yeah you're right you're right you're right um 
but I, I think it's it's just uh, yeah uh, graceful is the is the best way I can describe it. Yeah, I think I think I agree with you in that sense that it it did age very gracefully because aside from um, from the art style, it's also like the first Zelda that allows you to control the camera, which Ocarina of Time didn't do, um, mm. or at least it didn't do it to the level that that this one does. Um, so it, that's what makes it feel modern because I think a lot of the earlier games of this generation were kind of still stuck in that old school era of only having one stick. So you really only don't control the camera. The camera just kind of floats around you. Um, but in Wind Waker, you can move the camera around, which is what I consider at least the big divisor between what feels modern yeah. and what doesn't. Um, so yeah, that one does that, which I think when paired with its art style, in my opinion, this makes this the Zelda game. Like if I were to introduce Zelda to someone, I wouldn't give them the one where you turn into a wolf or I wouldn't give them the one where, you know, where you can cook food for the whole the game. And you don't so want to yeah. 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 And your sword breaks. Exactly. Yeah. I would give them this one. It's like, yeah. look, this is the thing. Just go to the next island and and you'll learn Zelda from this game. Like, I feel like it's the best encapsulation of what a Zelda game is, even though it's the one that's like our departure from what people consider <laughs> Zelda, right? Because you'll get to the other one. And like, if you were to start this as your first one, you'd be like, well, where's the boat? This is the only one that has a boat. All the other ones have a horse, right? But gameplay wise and like the mechanics of it and how you're building up your character slowly and the themes of being a hero despite like overwhelming odds and all those things i feel like this is the one that encapsulates that the best and the simplest and maybe it's also because just like its art style it's kind of like reduced to its bare bones um into what makes zelda work i, I don't know that's that's how i think it aged very very well it aged gracefully and furthermore i consider it like that this is what I would use to introduce someone to Zelda more so than any other game. Like if you want to be a Zelda fan, play Wind Waker first and then you, you can play the other ones. Um, but yeah, I think it aged really, really well. Uh, I'd like that. I, I would just from my own opinion would say Ocarina, not only cause like what I like the most, it's the one I have the most affinity for, but because it has more direction, I think mm. than this one. Is yeah. the only yeah. reason that I'd say I might introduce someone with that one more. Yeah, uh, I think first I agree than just... Wind Waker, but yeah, like it's it's definitely a great combination of Ocarina and what would go on to become Breath of the Wild. Yeah, it's like that middle ground, right? Where it's open yeah. world, but you're you, you like you can't spend all game just cooking or yeah <laughs> being shirtless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> so. This leads to our fourth question. What is the legacy of this game in gaming and culture at large? What do you think, Andy? Yeah, uh, so I think the legacy that this game is that sometimes Nintendo's going to do what Nintendo's going to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And that, that's not always a bad thing. Yeah. Um, and especially hindsight is, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. We all look back on it. And it's like, wow, Nintendo really did something special with that. They, they took a risk and it might not have paid off mm. from a financial standpoint or even, you know, long term. Maybe it did pave the way for for the Wii and whatnot. But mm. it, it um, 
when we look back on it, it's like, okay, all of the the concerns that everyone had at the time, all of the trashing that was going on in the forums and in your, your high school lunchroom and everything, <laughs> that was, we can all forget about it and look at it objectively now. Yeah. Um, because nowadays when you ask people about Wind Waker, the only people that have an opinion on it are the ones who actually played it. <laughs> um, and the people that played it look back on it. Everyone is, like you were saying, Rod, it's almost universally agreed by reviewers the you know the people who played it that it that was just a good game and, yeah. and nintendo took a risk and, and and they just really really it really paid off for them uh, again maybe not financially but mm. just artistically we look at nintendo and say like oh nintendo sure take your risk yeah. you, you want to build a, a wii everyone's going to make fun of you for it <laughs> but then it's going to make a trillion dollars sell like, everything yeah. yeah exactly do, do what you want to do nintendo we we trust you now yeah yeah I, I, totally i can totally see that and the the link to the wii on that sense uh what about you joe uh i think like directly it's it's Breath of the Wild is the legacy of this game. This is them exploring like what would really become that. This is their mm -hmm. first like open world uh, stat. Or, yeah, it's the first stab at open world in this universe, mm -hmm. um, and so like it, it's them kind of feeling that out. And you get like at least watching it back in playthroughs and kind of what I remember playing is like, yeah, I, I remember go, I could go places in Zelda for the first time instead of like where I kind of needed to. Like you could in Ocarina, but you you'd get there and then have. Like if you went to something out of order mm. here, you could go and explore islands and stuff like that. And like, that's the big thing that happened to me in breath of the wild. It's part of the reason I f didn't finish it is because <laughs> I could go anywhere. And like you're saying, like cook all day and climb mountains. And so like that wild is pretty universally agreed to be one of the best games of all time. And so like, I think this is a, di a direct link to that. Mm. Yeah. At this foundation, you don't get there. Yeah. You know, I kind of, I, I like what you said, Andy, because I was kind of thinking of, of the, this is the... So the legacy of this is that this game ultimately doomed Nintendo in this generation. But it also kind of um, <laughs> set them up for the rest of their history. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, it's kind mm -hmm. of like... So Sega used to be the, the, the company that did games for the sake of games and interesting things. And we're going to do things that inspire us. And we're going to, like really take the mantle of arts like video games as art right and then sega mm -hmm. failed and nintendo <sighs> was the big one and nintendo was gonna like you know now it's taking on sony and microsoft and in this generation nintendo ultimately failed at that and perhaps the biggest failure was the wind waker because ocarina of time was such like a blockbuster success and wind waker was not however it was critically acclaimed. It was a beautiful game. The people that played it all love it and whatever. And I think this is that time where Nintendo was like, now we're going to be the people that do things for the love of the artistry of video games mm -hmm. and like take up the, the torch that the Dreamcast carried before or Sega carried before. Um, because yeah, like, like I said, this game had no market research. Um, this, this was done by people who were artists who were who were video game artisans right doing things mm -hmm. that motivated them and really taking their work seriously and building a top of, of what had come before and like building games with a historical context of like we've done this before we need to do things differently now we need to push this forward and things like that in a way that very few other video game makers did at that point um 
and Nintendo has continued to do that to this day. So I, I, I consider that the legacy. Like, the legacy is that Wind Waker doomed Nintendo to fail in this generation, in the 128-bit generation, but it set it up for success in everything else going forward. Um, because if Wind Waker could... Wind Waker could have been Ocarina of Time 128, and it would have <laughs> sold, like, a crap load, right? Maybe. Yeah. Like, if yeah. it would have been just, like, a bigger Ocarina of Time with better graphics, it would have sold... I, I would say it would have definitely have moved consoles. Maybe it wouldn't have gone to, like, 22 million, like the PlayStation... <laughs> But it would have moved consoles. But I wonder if it didn't. would have just made the franchise at that point just like an iterative mess of itself, the same mm-hmm. way like mm-hmm. Call of Duty or like these franchises have become. I doubt it with Good Nintendo. Point. Like they didn't because they, they haven't done that with so many of their beloved franchises. Like Metroid, mm-hmm. they always keep familiar or like uh, fresh and stuff. So yeah. it, I really, I doubt it. But it's it's a possibility that would have happened if they moved consoles like that. The temptation would have been sure. Yeah. Well, as opposed you, to like what happened here, they they were able to make the money that they want and then still appease like their artistic integrity. Like they they maybe they saw a middle ground here and they're like, we can shoot for this. We have to try and make the most money. Where like Microsoft is like, Halo, Halo, Halo. Let's like let's print money. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel that maybe this was just the wrong time that Nintendo was doing something that the world just maybe wasn't interested in at the time, like? Uh, Joseph mentioned it earlier, but you know yeah. this was the attitude era <laughs> where, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, where you know blood and guns and explosions were the big thing, and this was just maybe not what what we as as a people were were craving at the time. Definitely, um, yeah, I I agree with that. And again, it's it's because they never did market research, right? Like I <laughs> well, think well, that's the thing. Did, did they not do it or did they have like a market research and they're like, you guys, this game is going to do terrible. <laughs> and they're just like, shut up, Jim. Like, we're yeah. making a game we're going to love. My wife loves it. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I think any, like even, like yeah, any market researcher could have told them, it's like, this is not going to work. This is not what people are into right now. But like the developers were in the word of building something that we enjoy. And I deeply, deeply respect that. Yeah. Um, I think that's the best art. And it's what led to that appreciation of it, like in hindsight, because people can look back on it and say, like, yeah, this was a great game. And maybe not ahead of its time, but definitely like of a different time because it didn't like it didn't change much technologically. It just kind of was like a shift in in um in like atmosphere and and storytelling and just the seriousness i don't know it's definitely wasn't of the time but i don't know if it was ahead of its of the time or just just a different time (laughs) but yeah i think it doomed nintendo to to lose this era but it's okay because we got ultimately we got breath of the wild out of it um Which leads to our next question. Is this the peak of any studio? Is this the peak of any generation? The peak of any franchise? The peak of of anything? Does this game represent the peak of anything? And I think I'll take this one first because I think this is peak Eiji Aonuma Zelda. So now he's a producer and he's actually the man in charge of like continuity of the Zelda franchise. So he like oversees, for example, the Hyrule Warriors games that are done by the Dynasty Warriors people, right? And the the ports and the remakes and all this stuff. But at this time he was the director and he was the director on Ocarina 
Majora's Mask, Twilight Princess, and Wind Waker. And out of those four, I think Wind Waker is the best game for me. And this is the peak. Not the peak Zelda of all time, but it's it's, it's the peak AG Aonuma Zelda. Um, what do you guys think? Uh, I know you're going to like I, Ocarina more. <laughs> Ocarina, yeah. I definitely think this is the most ambitious of his... Of, like of his um what's it called series mm. of his in the series but ocarina is is tied with it for me so that's where i wouldn't say it's the peak there mm. what about you andy uh, yeah i in terms of gamecube if we're looking at the gamecube i i don't think it's the peak but it, it it's really close for me uh yeah. i think metroid prime is probably peak of the gamecube for me but this is a real close second uh, second, maybe third. Um, and then again, this is an amazing game, but I don't even think it's the peak of the Zelda series. Uh, Zelda is, it, it's constantly evolving. It's not these incremental updates like Joseph was talking about, like on, on call of duty. Uh, but the core of a Zelda typically stays the same. Uh, and so when Zelda's doing that, like I think these Zelda games only get better and better. Yeah. So, so by definition, I, I don't think it's the best Zelda because the next Zelda is always going to be <laughs> a, a somehow better Zelda, uh, unless they just you know completely shit the bed or something. Unless it's on the Wii U. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. And, and again, I, I I never played that game, so I can't even talk crap about it. But for all I know, Skyward Sword is awesome. Uh, but. Yeah, it, it's it, it's a great game, but amongst even greater games, I, I don't think it's the peak. But man, yeah. it's good. Yeah, it's just tied with so many other stuff. Like like yeah, like I'd say GameCube probably GameCube game Metroid. This um, there's a few others that we'll probably get into. Like even third per- third person adventure. Does Resident Evil Four count? Yeah, if that's the case. Like yeah. it ties with yeah. it. Get uh, Zelda, Turn Breath of the Wild, and Ocarina, like tied with it. Like even best cell shaded. Beautiful Joe came out in this genre, <laughs> so you can't even say like it's the best cell shaded game. I don't think because they're they're at least tied. If Beautiful Joe has so much cool shit going on, so yeah, I don't think it's the peak of anything, but definitely reach at least ties up to the those standards with a lot of the the best games here's the here's another thing that i consider at the peak of it's the peak gamecube game like gamecube as a derogatory term that yeah i would go with that <laughs> because it was the argument loser for any console wars discourse with bros yep. at the time right like every yep. time you'd be like yeah but isn't there like a cartoon zelda game on the gamecube <laughs> yeah and you'd be like listen it's a great game yeah but does it look like a cartoon yeah, exactly. It's just like it was the the argument loser for that, which is kind of going back to my to my previous well, point, which is like is this is argument loser. Is it just like this isn't really worth this is the argument worth having because, you know, it's not going to change. <laughs> no one's going to change their. This is the original. Yeah. No one's going to change their stance. Argument. Yeah, I remember I remember one time posting uh, something on the on the game pro forums about how this is neither anime nor western animation and i wrote like a long essay talking about animation styles and all these other things and it literally got no response (laughs) (laughs) it just fell to the second page like within two minutes and then once you're on the second page of the forums no one's ever gonna look at it right 
don't even care enough to read this animation. Exactly. They're like, nobody wanted to talk about Don Bluth's uh, Land Before Time animation <laughs> style as it relates to <laughs> I learned that very quickly. But yeah, I think this is like the peak, like, oh, GameCube as a derogatory term, game of all time. Yeah. Good boy. Uh, yeah, yeah. But other than that, yeah, I mean, it was just, it, it was almost the best GameCube game, but I still think it's Metroid Prime for me at least. Which leads to our sixth and last question, which is how would this game or a version of this game work or look like in 2021? What do you think, Joseph? Uh, I mean, it's Breath of the Wild or whatever its sequel is going to mm. be. Like, I just trust the gameplay will be perfect because uh, that's the the console or that's the constant between Zelda games is like it's always just such a great experience. Mm. Um, I think if they do add VR, it would be cool, uh, mm. like especially get in tennis battles like launching the light back and forth between him <laughs> some but nintendo will take so long to add vr that oh, yeah. they won't even be here anymore <laughs> by the time that that happens yeah uh, what, do, what do you think andy yeah I, i'm i'm with joseph like like i just mentioned that zelda's iterative or not iterative but it, it evolves and yeah but it always builds on that core i, I think what a modern Wind Waker would be is is really just Breath of the Wild on, on an open ocean. It would, you know, we. it's just what it is, but more. Like, it's more densely populated. It's more objectives and quests and mini puzzles and, like, Korok seeds would just be scattered throughout the ocean. Um, <laughs> I, I think we'd probably see shrines uh, in the way that, like, uh, Breath of the Wild had just shrines all, you know, completely littering the place. I, I think a notion like this is perfect for that, right? Like, oh, what's that island off in the distance? Oh, it's a shrine. What's what's that island off in? Oh, there's another <sighs> shrine. Yeah. Um. And the the other thing that I think we would probably see uh, if we were to make it in a modern sense is. Um, more NPCs and creatures and and systems that that drive those two things, mm. right? Like, I, I don't remember if there was a lot of that in in Breath of the Wild, but uh, like I can absolutely see the with modern pr uh, processing power, you know, just the developers peppering in little bands of like uh, bokoblins on pirate ships and yeah. you know traders on their own ships, and then the bokoblins come and, and start raiding one of these trading ships and, and you can either like help them or or yeah. you can just yeah. keep sailing like just you know just this really rich environment that like. that that wind waker was not uh populated with yeah because of the limitations at the time yeah i think i think i'm i'm, I'm with you guys like we're on the same pattern um and there's this really really good game developers conference talk from back in 2017 with the breath of the wild team where they talk about their design process and their thought process. And it's like an hour and a half. It's really, really good. They talk about like, you know, their physics model and how they built everything and their whole, like I've always seen this theme of like teams that make really good games seem to have like mission statements almost, or like a phrase that guides their thinking and stuff like that. Um, and for them, it was rediscovering the essence and breaking conventions. So that was like, 
everything we do, we're going to rediscover the essence of Zelda and then break the conventions around it and stuff like that. But one interesting thing that they talked about was how they used Wind Waker as their base. Um, like not Skyward Sword, not Twilight Princess or anything. They used Wind Waker as their base because they wanted to stir the soul just like Wind Waker did, which I thought was like such a great way to think about like yeah. how much they respected that game and how they they built on top of it. And like they like chose to base their art style with Wind Waker as a starting point and then evolve it, evolve it until they got something that they considered, quote, refreshing and full flavored, which sounds like a beer, but they were talking about like <sighs> the style of, of Breath of the Wild. So they're going into all of this. They're going into their physics engine and they talk about how they had to build all of these physics and and all of all, like all of these rules for the world within the limitations of the system they were developing on on which really blew my mind because they developed breath on the wild of the wild on the Wii U <laughs> that beautiful massive endless game with like that you can literally spend hundreds of hours doing whatever chopping every blade of grass if you wanted to right <laughs> was developed on the Wii U. Yeah. So like that blew me away because that means... It just established here, is that a good, was it a good console? Yeah, and it was so weak and <laughs> underpowered compared to, to what we have now. Even the Switch is like yeah. way more powerful than the Wii U. So I'm saying is that Breath of the Wild in itself wasn't a 2017 game. So it's just like, <laughs> just think about that. Like Wind Waker 2, we, we are going to get Wind Waker 2 and it's going to be Breath of the Wild 2 and it's going to be with the Switch in mind. Um, yeah. So yeah, like, and, and, and they go on to talk about how like with that whole driving message of like rediscovering the essence of breaking conventions that's how they got into making weapons breakable and like nothing is sacred and all these other things but i just want them to apply that to wind waker now that they can now that they don't have to work on the wii u and really give us that full ocean that's teeming with life and variety and maybe weather effects and and just like you can upgrade your ship and you start off with like a little boat and at the end you have like a viking longship or something like that and I trust this development team in the way that I trust the very few development teams. And I, I, I recommend you guys and everyone who's listening to this to go on YouTube and look up that Game Developers Conference Breath of the Wild talk because it just further reinforces that the people that are working on these games have that same mentality that the team that worked on Wind Waker did, which is like, we are going to do something that we are proud of, that motivates us, that stimulates us with that we take seriously with a historical context of what Zelda is. And because of that, like it's going it, to, it's why it's not um, like just the next iteration of it. It's because it's why each one of them is so like revolutionary or different, but also like paying homage and built on top of it. Right. So I trust them. And I, I, we like, I, I know that, Breath of the Wild was great and it was built on the Wii U. So whatever they build on the Switch is going to be so good. And I want Viking Link eventually. <sighs> Even if it's a kid Link, kid Viking would be cool too. <laughs> <laughs> I just shuddered. Yeah. Shuddered to think what if there's like uh, time travel slash like water level elements to a 
Wild oh, slash Wind Waker 2 <laughs> game. Both the same game that's just a really big water temple. Oh. <laughs> Ocarina of Time, it would be maddening. Yeah. No, I mean, I trust them. I, I, I know, it would be I great. I'm just them. kidding. <laughs> I trust that whatever they do will be great um, because I need an, I need an, an Ocean Voyaging Ghibli movie link where um, <laughs> there's also things flying above you and... Like I said, upgrading your ship. I, I, I trust that whatever they do will be great because they're they're just another team that cares so deeply about the work they do, and they look inward on themselves first before like doing any market research or anything like that. So, that to me is always the formula for a great, great game. Um, yeah. Is there anything else that you guys want to talk about Wind Waker uh, before we wrap up? Just with that, what you had said there, like, it's cool to hear them talk about like this and have this one in such high regard. Like we, I mean, as we were talking about like Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword were after this, but Mm -hmm. I don't know that I know anybody with an affinity for those games. (laughs) Like Wind Waker. I mean, we're talking to like really highly of it here. Ocarina. Yes. Majora's Mask. Yes. And now Breath of the Wild. Like everybody loves it. Those, they just really never went anywhere. Yeah. Those are kind of like, okay, we'll we'll give you guys what you want here adult link and like this gritty world where he turns into a werewolf in this one and then like this is what you guys wanted but it's not like what they wanted and you can see the passionism behind those games mm. and nobody really talks about them yeah in in such a highly high regard as this one yeah. um so it's cool for like to see that that team talk about this game in that way yeah no yeah definitely and to me that's always going to be a winning formula for any any piece of art out there like yeah if, it's one thing to know that people are going to play it and try to make it fun for them. But when you let that be the driving point of like, will they like it? Not will they have fun with it? Like, will yeah. they like it? Will they think it's cool? It's just like, ah, that's that. That's what leads to bad games, in my opinion, or bad movies, or that's I how mean, you end up with the Transformers. Really even bad. Like, I mean, like, like uh, what's it called? Infinity War 2 is a game. I I played a lot of that game, but like yeah, it's not like the the greatest game. Whereas yeah. opposed to like like let's say even it, like even if you want to compare it like to Infinity, War, it did change a bunch of stuff then. Like it, yeah, like just these the passion that goes into it here is is definitely a a difference maker, and you can see that in in just this franchise alone in this in the last four releases. Yeah, for sure. Um, Andy, is there any anything else you want to say before we wrap up? No, um, I guess I just want to like touch again on what a just what a unique game this was, mm. especially at the time. It's we've hammered on it already, but man, it was just it was this really weird time where console wars were in full swing. Maybe not <laughs> as as bad as they had been, but yeah. uh, you know, there's like you were saying, Rod. There's a lot of bros that are always looking to to trash on a game just for the way it looks <laughs> despite not having played it but yeah. the uh, this game just had a lot of courage there's a, there's a confidence behind it that Nintendo just says hey we're going to we're going to release this game and yeah i know you guys like stone cold steve austin or whatever and i know <laughs> like <laughs> you guys want to run over each other in twisted metal and yeah. and murder one another with with whatever um but we're going to release the game that we want to release. And yeah. and it's not just we're going to release this game, but it's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, like you said, they, they kind of paid the price for it. It was maybe just wrong place, wrong time. Mm-hmm. But it's 
it's still astounding to me to go back and look at it. And I, I didn't know that at the time, but that it only sold like, what did you say? Like 4.6 4 million? million? Yeah. Yeah. Like crazy. Uh, I, I knew we were in a minority when we had the GameCube, <laughs> right? Uh, but just to, to look at that and, and that Nintendo was only expecting a seven, 7 million sales. Like what a, what a, what a move at, at the time, like hoping yeah. this would drive more console sales, but looking at, at the PlayStation two and, and the, and the current state of the world in, in 2003 and saying, we're going to do this anyway. Mm. Um, just what a, what a confident act that Nintendo has had. And, and sometimes it pays off for them. Sometimes it doesn't, but like, that's, that's, that's ballsy. That's, that's not something I would, I would do, but <laughs> I'm not Nintendo, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It was a, a, like, it set him up for so much, um, later on. And as a reference, Breath of the Wild has sold 19.74 million units. Yeah. Yeah. Which is <laughs> more, like more than double Ocarina of Time, which is the second. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, and it's a good thing that, that that team has that same mindset. So. But Wind Waker was essential for getting us here. And I, I still think maybe, like what I said at the top, the most controversial Zelda game, but one of the best and, may, and maybe one of the most influential, period. Yeah. So cool. Uh, thank you guys for joining me, uh, Joseph and Andy. And thank you for listening. Yeah. If you liked this episode, share it with a friend um, or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Uh, but yeah, see you guys next time. Relevant Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.